You're trying to say there may be a fully grown one of these things around somewhere? How big would a full grown one be? An approximate guess. The infant. The adult. That will make it nearly 200 feet tall. Wreaking terrible vengeance against the civilization that has captured its offspring. Towering over the cities of the world as millions flee its awesome terror. Prepare! Prepare! can stop it, defying the force of the army, the might of the Navy. Fire number one, Harry. Ready to open fire, sir. Fire one. Even the fury of the jets. In a crashing crescendo of sights never before beheld by human eyes and adventures never before experienced by any man or woman. Jason couldn't leave Crystal Lake. Or go inside, I believe. That he could or... He couldn't. Couldn't. Oh, okay. He had to stay at Crystal Lake. What doesn't... Well... He's he's not used to the outside world, you know. He can't use public transport. Exactly. Can't drive. Yeah, the Crystal Lake light rail. (laughs) It's probably been developed by now. Someone got killed on that, I hear. (laughs) Lucky he doesn't haunt Sloan's Lake, you know. That's right. Ooh. Killing people in luxury coffee shops. <laughs> oh, no, that just reminded me. I was going to pick up a copy of The Westward so we could look at hokey names. In fact, you know what I'm going to do before we before we introduce this thing? Um, we're going to look at a uh, uh, list of Denver dispensaries. Okay, recreational. We're already recording. We are. Yeah. Good. Will, I don't want to miss any of this. One of our dear listeners pointed out that it's great when you intro the show. Would you mind doing that? Intro the show? Yeah, just intro the show like say the stuff we normally say. I know this takes a second to figure out. Will's taking a drink. <laughs> a little liquid courage. He's doing the scales. What's the show called again? It's called Chewing the Scenery. Oh, and that's what people are listening to right now? Yes. And it's a... What again? Horror movie podcast. Oh, that's right. Yeah. And then something about that song and something about spoiling stuff. You know. Go ahead. Go ahead. Um, How do you phrase it again? We're not... 
professional critics. Oh, that's yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And uh, <laughs> that we might something about the spoiling moon rays. Moon rays. Thanking yeah. them for the intro song. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that. And, and if someone wanted to follow them, they'd find them on uh, Facebook. I think it was Facebook. Okay. The internets. Yeah. Something the moon dash rays. Yeah. Moon dash rays. That's right. Yeah. All right. So Will just did all the heavy lifting. <laughs> we're that. You're listening to us. We're in Denver, so uh, we were we were going to talk about uh, dispensary names with. Uh, yeah, with the clever names. Clever names. Uh, the green solution. Here, let's just click on the map and see what we can find. If there are any clever ones. And we just decriminalized... Shrooms. Magic mushrooms. Oh, Don't pass? move here. Yeah. Yes, it passed, just okay. barely. <laughs> decriminalizing is the first step in legalizing, isn't it? Possibly. Sure. Uh, it may, uh, The low priority is not decriminalized. Yeah. No, right. it's decriminalized. Is it? Makes it the lowest, like, no priority. They won't put any money towards it. So it's still technically... Well, in the state, but... you could get busted. Right. In the city, no. Okay. Federally, the feds could come down on you, I suppose. Mm. But the city of Denver is basically saying we won't prosecute. We won't. Right. We won't issue tickets, you know. I guess if you got a cop that was really... You know, dick. <laughs> you, mean could... a, you mean a detective? Yeah. Right. <laughs> hey, listeners, I'm Richard. I'm here with Will and Jolian. In Hello. case you wondered who we are. And we're in Denver, Colorado. Um, I was hoping for, you know, just to pull up this map of all of the uh, dispensaries in our vicinity and have some really punny, clever ones. And I'm not seeing them. So here's what we're going to do. For next time, we'll have a list of some of the punnier ones that we okay. can, that we can find kind of regionally, like just, you know, the city proper plus a few outlying areas. And we're going to throw in some jokey ones and see if you can guess which are real, which are fake <laughs> because Lucas who comes in interns at the shop, um, yeah. you know, Lucas of horn dribbles fame. Oh yeah. 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 He comes once a week and works for, you know, five or six hours. Uh, I was telling him about this idea and he goes, yeah, they should be, there should be one like called best buds forever. Yeah. Thought, well, see, there's a good example of. I what, believe there is a best buds. Is there? I believe there is. Oh wow, it's not surprising. Is there one called the slaughtered lamb? The slaughtered. There should be. <laughs> the slaughtered lamb would be perfect. The stammering dork. The stammering dork. Yeah. Let's go to the. Get stam- all your pot needs at the stammering dork. Yeah. So. Uh, since we did this thing last, um, I only watched a couple things, and I'll talk about those when the time comes. Um, recently watched. Either one of you want to kick that off? Uh, I'll kick it off because it's short. All right, well, I watched uh, a Netflix show called Dead to Me. How is that? Well, I was sold by way of an NPR review that it was a, a dark comedy. Mm. But having watched... Mm, three or four of them. I'm not really sure it is. It's a, it's a subdued drama or a subdued comedy. So is it is it being cute? Is it is it? Uh... No, it's not cute. I wouldn't go so far as to call it a drama. Maybe <laughs> social realism, but not a dramedy. But not a dramedy and okay. not a coma. 
<laughs> but it could put you in one. No, uh, they put a mystery in there. I don't want to spoil it because it's recently watched and it's new. Right. Um, although if you don't guess, like the first big reveal. Mm-hmm. So, Someone who they think is dead is not. I'm just uh, guessing. No, no. <laughs> okay. But uh, well, I, I don't want to spoil it. But, uh, you know, I, I, I picked that up pretty quickly. But they keep uh, they keep rolling you in a, in a mystery like, ooh, well, such and such find this out. And that keeps me watching them. Okay. But I'm not sure that I'm really terribly interested while I'm watching them. It's only the last few minutes when they when they have a you know a cliffhanger we'll say right. it's not really a cliffhanger but you know they they entice you to watch the next episode to find right. out what happens right so uh it's they, clever in that sense but they want to hook you in well the I fir- don't think Gene or I are terribly uh into it she said I could go ahead and watch the rest of them so oh okay so she so she checked out already she's checked out yeah and you know the the first and um, most important and probably most difficult stunt for a show or a movie to pull off is to make you care. Yeah. Because if you don't care, you know, there's not much they can do to keep you going. Yeah. And you know, you get up to start doing the ironing. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's if you like mildly care. Yeah. Yeah, that's. I think this is a good ironing show. Mm-hmm. Because you could put the ironing down for the last five minutes. Right. And really, ooh, what's going to happen? Yeah. And then watch the first little bit of the next episode and then kind of tune out. Exactly. Maybe catch a joke or two. But they're not really jokes. I don't really know what the show's doing. Uh, And then I watched Gorgo. All right. Which everybody at work was delighted with the name. Nobody had heard of this movie. Oh. And they were all delighted. Oh, Gorgo, right. what's that? And it it sounds him, like a joke name where you're making up a movie. Why it's, it's it's England's answer to Godzilla. Yeah, seems like it. And uh, yeah, we'll definitely get into that soon. Yeah. Uh, Jolene, you want to go next? All right. Uh, so I'm in hurry up and wait mode on a current project I shall not name. Uh. The editor got a... He put a panicky call out last night saying that no one should even mention what it is. Is it a comic book? Yeah, but... That's it? That's all you could say? Yeah, I can't say any more okay. about um, Anyway, uh, I watched... Uh, I've been trawling around um, face, uh, Amazon Prime again. Uh-huh. Um, get my eyes dirty. Uh, I Was a Teenage Zombie, 1986. Wow. That's got to be great. That's a little late, I think, for a teenage movie. Yeah, um, there are there are a bunch. There's like I was a teenage serial killer and stuff oh, like that. Oh, okay. Uh, this one is directed by John E. Michalakias, and uh, it's got a cool soundtrack: uh, The Flesh Tones, Dream Syndicate, uh, etc. Smithereens, Delphegos, so the, waitresses. That's where they spent all their money. That's where they spent the money. Uh, it's got some decent makeup effects for that's very low budget. It's basically a high school, elderly high school kids go looking for uh, Manjahubi. Who? Manjahubi. Manjahubi, that's what they called it, 1986. Wow. New, New Jersey. It was the cousin of the Wendigo. From a, from a pusher named uh, Mussolini. 
Mussolini. But he's offloading a bunch of weed that's been sprayed with toxins and, oh. and teenage zombies result. Oh, okay. So you th- you suppose this had to do... Did you know about Paraquat? Um, it's like a... Uh, yeah, they used to spray crops with it. So yeah, it's, yeah, it was, it was basically how they were going to kill off all the weed or, mm. or make it poisonous. And then there were people who just harvested and sold it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. It was... I'm sure it was carcinogenic. Probably. And that's probably what that, you know, comes from that fear. Yeah. Uh, let see. Probably uh, don't name your dispensary Paraquat. Saw <laughs> <laughs> uh, so another uh, John Carradine movie, uh, Northwest Rangers. It's a western from 1942. Uh, so Carradine plays a Caswell, who's this saloon owner uh, with a gimmicked uh, roulette wheel. Uh, it's got Keenan Wynn in it. He gets the best line. He's this like card shop. He he has all this card slang. Oh, okay. Uh, uh, he says, uh, Carswell has been uh, uh, picking you, was it? Picking you walnuts cleaner than an American, than an Armenian can pluck a fried chicken. Hmm. Whoa. I didn't know that was even a thing. <laughs> <laughs> um and and the uh, the hero James Craig and John Carradine star together again in uh, Bigfoot 1970. Bigfoot. Ooh. Yep. Man, we couldn't get enough of Bigfoot for a while there. In the 70s, they loved Bigfoot. Killer bees, Bigfoot, Muhammad Barefoot Ali. Barefoot guy, hairy. Yeah. Muhammad Ali. Laid back. Evil Knievel. What else? Oh, the Russians with their nuclear bombs. But uh, what else? There's a lot of stuff people were very concerned about yeah. in the 70s. Bionics. Fonzie. Fonzie. <laughs> Fonzie's in Scream. Out? Why is he hanging out with those teenagers? I don't know. Maybe. He's like in his 40s. He's a pedo. Maybe. Yeah, we'll talk about that <laughs> in a bit when I talk about my recently watched. Oh, uh, okay. okay. <laughs> Go ahead, Jolene. Sorry. Uh, then the other Caridian I watched was uh, Demented Death Farm Massacre. Ooh. Let me guess, David. Uh, Keep John. Oh, okay. Um, so this is this this came out in '86 uh, from Troma, but its history is um, there's a huckster named uh, Don Davison who made a film called uh, Shantytown Honeymoon in 1972, which was bought by Fred Allen Ray, and then um, in uh, December, uh, one day in December in 1985, he got the 17-year-old year old John Carradine in and uh, he filmed just short bits of Carradine saying various things and uh, uh, and then and then spliced them into five different movies oh wow that's so Ed Woody to do that so uh, this was first up so um, uh, so he called it Death Farm and then he sold it to Troma and they called it Demented Death Farm Massacre um So this in this one, John Carradine plays Judge Death, and uh, so he does this little intro thing where he he, he uh, turns up to say things like uh, the lust of wealth is the lust of death, and then uh, most of the film is about this uh, heist gang that hide out in this farm somewhere in the country, and and much of the film consists of them sitting around in the kitchen. Uh, sometimes the women take their tops off, and the men pick their noses. Huh. Wow. That's a strange reaction to women taking their tops off. <laughs> it's not necessarily in the same oh, okay. scene. but um, Anyway, that was the other John Carradine movie. 
let's see. Um, I also saw uh, a few Hong Kong movies. Uh, the Seventh Curse. Uh, had you seen the first six? <laughs> no, I'd not. But uh, what what happens is uh, you got this. Um, this this takes uh, characters from two different novel series. Uh, so you've got Wisely. Uh, there's been this is like I think the second of eight Wisely films. There was a hundred and fifty novels about this guy. Okay. He's this investigator and is, is generally concerned with supernatural stuff. And uh, he's always played by someone different. And in this movie, it's he's played by uh, Chow Yun Fat. Uh, this is from nineteen eighty six. Oh, okay. And uh, um, then you got uh, Chin Su Ho as uh, Doc Tuen, who's the who's uh, from another series. And uh, you got Maggie Chung in it. Uh, Sibel Hu is is plays Wisely's wife. Um, and in the first scene, you got this like big uh, kind of. Uh, uh, raid on some hostage takers, and you've got a whole bunch of Hong Kong st- stars in it. Um, you got uh, um, Kara Hoi, uh, Derek Yi, uh, Yasuaki Karata, Wang Lang Wei, um, but they're only in the first scene. Oh, <laughs> but then then it, then it turns into this kind of um, uh, this the hero has been to Thailand. And uh, he's he's gotten involved with this tribe called the Worm Tribe. Okay. So you, if you if you hear mention of worms in a Hong Kong horror movie, you're in for some gross stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> this doesn't get as gross as like centipede horror, and it's not quite as just deliriously nuts as Boxer's Omen, but it's pretty <laughs> bizarre. Um, so. Uh, yeah, and there's lots of weird things happen in it. Like there's a there's a flying cannibal baby. Mm. There's a <laughs> uh, there's a skeleton that turns into an alien. There's a there's a a child compactor to create oh. a blood creature. Apparently, you need the blood of hundred children. Wow! So there's a scene where they got this big stone kind of vice thing, and they they feeding in these kids through the top and, then, and it comes Squishing together them. and then all this blood comes out the bottom Ooh, wow <laughs> uh yeah it, get, it gets really crazy but um yeah it's, it's entertaining so if, if a listener were to say wow sounds like jolian listens or watches a lot of crazy shit mm-hmm. they wouldn't be wrong they wouldn't be wrong <laughs> okay just checking <laughs> um so if any of you listeners are saying that to yourself right now you're not wrong <laughs> Because I don't think any of us would have heard of that any other way. Yeah. So, I mean, you've seen Boxer's Omen. Yes, yeah. because okay. of you. All right. <laughs> so, uh, there's no accusation here. It's just an okay. observation. It's just like, I don't know where oh, you find it, but good on you for finding there's, it. There's a, there's a stunt in it where the, the heroes, are they want to bust into this village and rescue this woman. And uh, they're in a jeep. And they, the jeep, they do this flying jump into the middle of the village which consists entirely of stuntmen there's not no women in this village they're always stuntmen <laughs> and so this village goes uh, this jeep goes flying and it goes right through a hut on its way down and then smashes into the ground and then all, all these stuntmen you know this is all one shot slow motion stuntmen are leaping out of the way one doesn't get out of the way and he's full on smacked by this jeep and then they show it again from a different angle because they're really proud of having done god knows what to this poor human oh, man. and uh, i tried looking up to see what happened to him and no one you know there's no mention of it 
if no, he survived or not. No memorials to him. Yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, no in memory of at the end of the credits. Yeah, so I, I dedicate this <laughs> this uh, this mention to him and his his, his uh, descendants. Um, all right, uh, Nightmare Weekend. That's a good name for a strain. Yeah, it is. Uh, it's also from 1986. Uh, so you've got... Okay, I, I shall uh, go through. I, I made notes as I went along to see if I could make sense of this. There's a woman at a console. Two bikers are out at night. One of them climbs something. It's too dark to tell what. <laughs> There's a hand puppet named George. Uh, the George says, Danger, danger. Uh, a little ball appears. Suddenly one of the bikers falls down. I think the ball killed him. Credits. There's an aerobic cl- aerobics class. The console woman uh, has uh, house staff who hide behind a column. A girl in a negligee plays a video game that makes a real cr- car go crazy. Uh, then some other women go to a disco and there's a tarantula and stabby monsters the end uh, wow psychotronic calls it incomprehensible wow sounds Holy like wow it. it's it's pretty wretched and we want to legalize shrooms <laughs> yeah yeah I, I have no need of that <laughs> right, stuff. just watch this i've never smoked anything so i don't watch this stuff yeah uh, all right. Um, Blood Sabbath, 1972. Uh, this is directed by Brianne Murphy. Uh, she also worked on uh, Little House on the Prairie. Um, this is not really like Little House on the Prairie. Uh, naked women torment a wandering Vietnam vet, and he runs into the arms of a coven of more naked women led by Diane Thorne. Wow. Wow. Um, Bloodbeat, 1982. Uh, Wisconsin woman possessed by a samurai. Whoa. That's really good. At her farm. At her farm? (laughs) Yeah. Somewhere in the country where they they all go out hunting deer. What does she use for her sword? Uh, There's a full-on, like, samurai armor. Oh. Just appears. Yeah. yeah. Um, There's there's lots of scenes of people with gritted teeth standing and shaking their hands. (sighs) (laughs) <laughs> and then and lights flashing and it goes on for some time wow um yeah um do you find these all on amazon uh yeah most of these are on amazon it's uh it's quite the place to go much more interesting than than shudder <laughs> and then and then and here's a good one uh one dark night 1982 have you heard of this one that does uh, sound familiar. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Uh, this is directed by Tom McLaughlin, who directed... This is his first film, and he went on to Friday the 13th Part 6. Yes. And uh, this one stars uh, Meg Tilly as Julie Wells. Um, and uh, Adam West is in it. Oh. And uh, in one scene, Kevin Peter Hall is in it. I don't know who that is. He, he, he was uh, the, the original Predator. Oh, okay. Very tall guy. Yeah. Uh, six foot nine at the time, I think. Holy wow! Very distinctive facial features with those jaws that open. <laughs> yeah, the mandibles. Yeah. It really stood out in the basketball court. Yeah. <laughs> Very intimidating. <laughs> and you can sneak around that court. Yeah, that's pretty fantastic. Uh, so Julie wants to join this uh, this mini sorority, of, which consists of three women called the Sisters, 
who wear who wear uh, purple satin jackets, and the leader is a jealous blonde who drinks tab and calls people nerdle brain. Oh, okay. And the final test is a night at a mausoleum, and uh, where where this uh, Russian psychic is interred. Um. And uh, it, it, so it takes about half an hour to get Julie into the mausoleum. And uh, and then there's like another half hour of where the, uh, the other girls are tormenting her, trying to drive her crazy. And then you realize something actually is actually going on. Mm. And then the, then the last third pays off. It's good, oh, it's okay. good stuff. I, I, I enjoyed it. You've got um, effects by Tom Berman and, and Steve Neal. You know, they went on to other things. Um, and it's got a cool cemetery set. It's very, you know, reminds you of the Phantasm one. Oh, good. So uh, you do recommend this one? Yeah, yeah, it's fun. Good. Yeah, we need more recommends, don't we? Yeah. Was that the list? I think that's it. Cool. Uh, well, coming... Nightmare Weekend sounded like a recommend. Yeah. <laughs> well, and again, like Jolien said, it's a good name for a weed strain. We should be keeping a list. I mean, you know, we might as well. It's not like we couldn't put a post-it note somewhere and have yeah. have our list on it. That's how we got retail bingo when we used to work at the art supply store. Yeah, uh, we kept coming up with all these types, all these characters that would come in the store, and uh, I started after we started throwing them around and and recognizing them and acknowledging that they had come in the store. I started writing them down on scraps of paper, and one day we were out on the sales floor, and I said, "I know, I will make a bingo card." <laughs> And I sure did. And it had two, it, it had uh, some un, unintended consequences. Well, no, um, that's not a good way to put it. Uh, they were intended. They were, actually, they weren't either. Uh, I didn't even think this would happen. But uh, what happened was because you had to engage that person, that, that customer. And do you remember any, any of the types? Uh, the only one I remember is Thong Mum. Yes. And that... That started to go away after a while, and tattoo neck person became so common that that didn't even need to have a space. Um, but back in the, you know, 2005 to 2007 era, uh, it seemed like, yeah, thong mom and tattoo neck person, you know, you'd, you'd, you'd notice that and remark on that. Um, there was um, uh, Smelly and Crazy, uh, the Stale Joker, the Weather Person. You remember all these? The stale joker was like, oh, no price tag. That means I get to keep it for free. <laughs> oh, man. Or uh, the weather person was... Uh, you know, I found that if you make that joke before they do... Yeah. Oh, my God, they love it. Oh, they were like, oh, I was going to so, say that. Oh, I was going to say that. My my response used to be, how fast do you think you can run? <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, we made the bingo card. Um, so moral to that story is write stuff down and you never know what you'll turn it into. Uh, that's not a very great <laughs> moral. No, it isn't. Um, write stuff down right on stuff paper. Down. Like we used to. That's why you always leave a note. Yeah. Yeah. We're going hiking yeah. in the mountains, <laughs> in the mountains around crystal lake. <laughs> right. So my recently watched, um, speaking of crystal lake, uh, Freddie versus Jason. Um, in just, I, I want to be ready ahead of time and ready for Freddy. I want to be ready for Freddy and, uh, Jason while we're at it, uh, because we're going to be doing the show with Ziggy at some point in time. Mm-hmm. Yay. And I know she can't wait to do scream. Maybe we let her do scream before we come back and finish off the Jasons. Yeah. I think, 
I think that'd be nice. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, school's over this week or next, I think, for her. And then uh, she's going to be more available. Uh, and why not, you know, give her some uh, give her some fun stuff to do? Because she loves Scream so much. All right. That she watches on VHS. Mm. That's cool. Like the hip kids do. Um, so, Freddy vs. Jason 2003 movie. Uh, it was directed by Ronnie Yu and written by Damien Sharon, Shannon and Mark Swift crossover. Liar. People didn't write that. <laughs> I think it was just like a random idea generator. Yeah. It was some, it was an old, um, Mac pro or something or no, what was the, what was the early one? It was, uh, Oh God, what was I think? The performa. Ooh. It was a Mac performa nice. with hyper stacks of ideas. Ooh, man. Yeah, you could just click on something and it would just like throw out a bunch of plot ideas. That, that's yeah. probably what this was. Out of all of these stuff from the homophobic 80s that, that could have happened, I don't remember any of the Freddy movies um, just using homophobic slurs, yet this movie did do that at the one point. Yes. So that was weird. I don't. Yeah, it was I, evidently ad-libbed. Oh, oh, okay. So that, that oh. actress did that on her own. Yeah, and they kept that scene. They're like, sure, why not? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll talk about that when we actually talk about It's the least of the movie's problems. Yeah. It starts out, though, looking pretty good. Did I talk last time about having watched the reboot of Friday the 13th? Yeah. Okay. A little bit. Okay. I did that. And that surprised me because we went, Jolene and I went with my nephew, Sean. And saw that back in 2009. And I didn't remember thinking... It was, a whole decade ago. Uh, it was. Holy crap. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> um, I went a whole decade without watching it again. Yeah. Until just recently. Um, I was surprised how that held up pretty well. Well, how it maybe improved with age for me. Because I didn't like it at the time. And, and I gave it a chance. And kind of liked it. This one started out looking pretty good. And... The tone, the mood of the movie was like, all right, this is actually doing some Jason-y stuff here that's a little better than some of the other movies. And definitely way better than uh, Jason Takes Manhattan. You know, just a throw out there. I find that hard to believe. Yeah, (laughs) well, suspend your disbelief for just a second because it gets worse. Like, Freddy just turns into a complete ham and does ridiculous things and... Uh, they don't seem to follow their own rules all the time. They sometimes do. They sometimes make up new rules for what these characters mm-hmm. can do and not do. So, uh, at least Jason wasn't body swapping. That's see, that's the thing. You don't want Jason body swapping. No. Uh, this was the highest grossing movie. Um, of all time. No, <laughs> no, <Wow. laughs> no. Uh, in the Friday the 13th series. And the sec- Avengers Endgame is approaching <laughs> Freddy versus Jason levels of money. but Yeah. But, uh, yeah, they already surpassed, uh, what was the one with the blue people in it? Uh, Avatar? Avatar? Be- beaten Avatar now? I think it has. I, yeah. think, I think it stomped Avatar. Yeah, beat Avatar. Oh, beat uh, last I heard like a day ago, it, it, it was second um, only to Avatar. Oh, okay. Maybe oh, maybe that's, that's what okay. it was. I was thinking it was Avatar was second behind. It beat Freddy versus Jason. Yeah, by by yeah, six they bucks. They ought to adjust for inflation. Yeah, because, yeah. Yeah, they have to. Um, 
so it was the highest grossing in Friday the 13th movies and the second highest grossing in the Nightmare on Elm Street series. Uh, adjusted for inflation at $174 million, it was the second highest grossing film um, blah, blah, blah. Oh, that's what the just decade. Said. Of the decade, yeah. <laughs> um, Most Oscars. This was uh, Robert Englund's final cinematic appearance as Freddy Krueger, but hey, you know so what? So far. He's still drawing breath, so yeah. I'll just throw that out there. And he doesn't hate showing up at conventions and having people love him for having been Freddy. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, as, you're the guy in the... having g- been Willie the Alien and V. Right. <laughs> or the guy in the gum commercial or whatever. Whatever else he did. Barking, eaten alive. Yeah. So that one, uh, you know, Freddy Krueger doesn't have his powers, and then he finally gets them back. And Yeah, it uh, made no sense at all. It was, I, I like the lead in this, the lead woman. Yeah. And uh, I like the image of... When Jason's on fire and going through the corn, yeah, yeah, that was a good image. That was pretty cool. Because that was a that was a tricky stunt as well. I imagine it really was. Um, and then I watched Primer or Primer, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, this is a 2004 movie. Um, you could call it science fiction, of course, because it is a time travel movie. I like to give time travel its own category, and um, this one. Uh, if you look at the credits on it, uh, apparently Shane Carruth uh, wears a lot of hats. Uh, so Primer or Primer, directed by Shane Carruth, produced by Shane Carruth, written by, guess who, Shane Carruth, starring Shane Carruth and David Sullivan. Hey, welcome to uh, the movie, David Come Sullivan. Come on, your weight, David. <laughs> Music by, not David Sullivan, but Shane Carruth. Edited by Shane Carruth. Um Production company, Studio Canal. Uh, distributed by Think Film, IFC Films. And uh, it was released October 8th, 2004. And it's only 77 minutes long. It's right, like, a solid several minutes inside the Barnes limit. Is, yeah. uh, is John Carradine in it? No, somehow he's not. Uh, maybe he's somewhere in the background, but uh, this was made for $7,000. It... It had a box office of 841926 which is a great return on investment, but um, I feel like maybe over time with rentals, it's made more money. Uh, this movie is basically about a couple of uh, scientists who are working in like a two-car garage or a four-car garage, and they're working on something that is, um, it's like a startup company, and they're doing science stuff. That needs to be done by guys who know how to do it, but they're clearly on some sort of a budget. Like welding two dogs together. Yeah, that kind of stuff. And uh, <laughs> That's another strain. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. Well, welding two dogs together. <laughs> I'm going to write this down while I edit, you know, so that way I don't have to try and find a pen and do it now. Yeah. Um, man, welding two dogs together. That almost sounds like a punchline to a bad joke from the 70s. Um so it's about two engineers, Aaron and Abe, who are supplementing their day jobs, uh, doing projects out of Aaron's garage. And of course, if everything goes well, they're going to get you know, a good payday for having taken care of everything. But they accidentally discover time travel. And this is not a spoiler because this is pretty early in the movie and it is the focus of the movie. So without telling you too much more than that, um, the main problem that occurs is little dogs little dogs come through welded together 
<laughs> so um, the main problem that occurs is that when you do the time travel thing, <clears throat> there becomes an extra copy of you. And that extra copy of you doesn't disappear because you go through that next amount of time, whether it's a day or a week or whatever. Mm -hmm. So you're going to show up and there's going to be another you bumming around doing you stuff. So that that's the rub. And that's a mild spoiler, I would say, and I'll shut up there. If you've not seen this movie, see it. If you love uh, science fiction and time travel or even like it a decent amount, this is this one is really amazing that they did it for this kind of money. And I've recommended this to a lot of people yeah. over the years. So I rewatched it because my brother was in town to help us with some projects on the house. And uh, he was digging it and then he nodded off and couldn't really wake him up, you know, and have him stay awake. So I just thought, you know what, he's he's gotten a taste of this and he's going to want to watch the rest of it another time. So there's that. Uh, and now we can talk about Gorgo. Because uh, I watched that stuff and Gorgo. Okay. And Gorgo. Yeah. So, Julian, you recommended this one. Yeah. Did, did you guys like it? I'm, I'm yeah. Just, this is a childhood I, favorite. Yeah. I did. And it definitely felt like one of those, even though I don't know that I've seen it. I may have very well seen it when I was like six or seven and it was on Creature Features or something. Uh, it worked really well for that era. That, yeah. Was it 61? Yeah, it was, it was shot mostly in 59. Okay. You can tell because they go past a, a, a cinema that's playing The Mummy. Oh, oh okay. okay. When they're parading through London. I know, Will, you're thinking, wait, you mean 2017? 2017? No. That the, Mummy? The, the previous Mummy. <laughs> oh, yes. So I'm sorry, I forgot about the, the thing that haunts you. Yeah. <laughs> so this was the uh, Hammer Mummy? Yes. Yes, okay. The Hammer Mummy. Ooh, Hammer Mummy. <laughs> it's a mummy that just kind of yeah, we should watch that one to refresh your mumminess yeah, yeah. you're gonna I'm get always mu- down there, for there, mummy were, there were good mummy movies yeah. yeah that's one of them yeah then there was thong mummy there's <laughs> 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 a weed strain for you <laughs> that's just mm. gross it just sounds so gross so uh, do, you, do you want to explain what that is the, the thong mummy Thong mommy. No, the thong mom was from our uh, our bingo card. Yeah. That was anyone who uh, came into the art supply store and it was evident that they were a mother because usually there was a child with them or near them that appeared to belong to them. And they would squat down to find something on a shelf and you would see their thong pop out. Yeah. And um, I think that fell out of fashion because we didn't really see it much anymore after hmm. after a couple of years. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe I stopped working at the art supply store. Right about that time? Yeah. So you're saying they were wearing them to impress you, or that you quit noticing it because you'd left? I quit noticing it because I left. Okay. That, that sounds about right. So, uh, yeah, Jolien, go ahead. So this was a childhood favorite. Yep, yep. Um, so this, this came out in, uh, I think it was released in Japan in 1960 and uh, in the West in 1961. So why'd they get the it UK. first? Um... It was, uh, uh, I think they knew there'd be a market for it. And there, there was some hold up because they shot it in, the most of the production was in 59. And originally it was going to be a Japanese co-production. Right. Mm. Um, because they, you know, Godzilla had been a huge hit in the West. 
And the King Brothers, who produced it, had uh, distributed Rodan in the U.S., and they made money off of that. So they were, you know, they, you know, giant monsters were making money. So, uh, um, and they knew there was a market for it in Japan. So I think it, there was less trouble about releasing it there. So it, it got out earlier there. Giant monsters were big in Japan. Yep. <laughs> and uh, and it was it was it was a hit there. And uh, you know, so uh, um, there was like a, a movie a few years later called uh, Daikyoju Kappa. Gappa, um, which is uh, released on American TV as Monsters from a Prehistoric Planet. Oh, nice. And uh, the DVD is Gappa, the Trifibian Monsters. Trifibians? But How does that work? What's a Trifibian? Trifibian is where you, uh, they can fly, go underwater, and walk on land. Oh, okay. Three. Okay. As opposed to amphibian. Okay. Um Anyway, uh, that in that one you've got uh, a little monster which is like, uh, uh, taken into a city, and uh, the parents there's, there's like a, a couple of parents turn up looking for it, and big twist in Gorgo, of course, is uh, uh, the monster is not got, even a full yeah two thirds the way through. <laughs> the scientists call the guys in and they say like. This is a baby. <laughs> I was just so excited when I was a little kid seeing it for the first time. I was like, oh boy, oh boy. It's gonna, <laughs> things are going to go off soon. Um, yeah, that was a great moment. So was this on a uh, particular time slot on your local television? Is that how this happened? Like the way we had creature features when I was a kid? Uh, there was no such thing as creature features. Uh, but this went out, you know, it was definitely made for kids. Yeah. Um, but it, it must have gone out in early evenings. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I, I caught it every time it came on TV. Did you have drive-ins, drive-in cinemas in England? Uh, we don't have the weather for it. That's what I would guess, yeah. Um, I'm not sure if we ever had them. Yeah. I mean, there's only a few left in the U.S., but... I've only ever been to hardtop theatres in, in yeah. the U.K. yeah. Uh, oh, actually, I've been to things like Glastonbury where they've had outdoor theater fields, but yeah, yeah, we just don't have the weather for dark drive-ins. That's yeah, that makes sense. Um, did you ever watch Twister? Yep. Did you see it coming when um, when the storm chasers were hanging out at the drive-in and The Shining was showing? <laughs> did you know what was going to happen? That I don't remember. Okay, so the so the tornado comes barreling in just as uh jack torrance is swinging the axe when he says i'll huff i'll puff and i'll blow your house in and as he's swinging the axe and chopping the door to try to get to wendy the screen is being demolished and disintegrating Uh, and i saw that coming i thought oh i see this i could see this one getting in the cab i know it's coming anyway go ahead so this was this was something that would show up on uh uh, like yeah. Saturday afternoon kind of shows? Um, no, I don't remember exactly. I was, I was very little when I saw it at yeah. first times. I think for us it was usually Saturday or Sunday afternoon. They would just show monster um, movies or mysteries. The, the thing that uh, really hooked me on science fiction movies was uh, uh, BBC Two had a season where it was like uh, they showed science fiction movies and the lineup was just astonishing you know you couldn't wish for a better one it's in terms of 50s right so incredible shrinking man forbidden planet day that stood still yeah and it's just like yeah 
That's yeah, it. That's, that's my crack. That's the good stuff. That's <laughs> definitely Forbidden Planet is so gorgeous. Oh. Anyone who hasn't seen that should just shut this off and go watch it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So this is directed by uh, Eugene Lurier, who'd also done uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms. Oh no, oh, kidding! Okay. And uh, Giant Behemoth, which is also about a dinosaur that comes to London. Isn't the flaw in the title of The Beast from 20,000 Fathoms that that's a measure of distance and not depth? It's a measure of depth. Is it? So 20,000 Fathoms would put you through the... Other side of the planet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, that's well, what the flaw uh, Fathom was. is about six feet or so. So, yeah, yeah I, I, don't th- I don't think it's quite that deep. But You'd be in the Earth's core, though. It's just named that because of uh, 20,000 leagues under the sea. Right. Leagues is measure of distance. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you know, giant behemoth was known as uh, Behemoth the Sea Monster in the UK. Okay. But uh, in the US, the people, uh, the distributors were afraid that locals wouldn't know what a behemoth was. <laughs> so they called it the giant behemoth as opposed to a, you know, just a... A regular size t- behemoth? Tiny behemoth, yeah. <laughs> the little behemoth. <laughs> That's a weed strain right there. Yes. <laughs> oh, yes. Uh, I, I can imagine like the... People who advertise in Westward are just oh god scribbling it away. <laughs> right, <laughs> it's all uh, the Westward is anymore. It's just one big weed ad. Yeah. So uh, Eugene Lurier, he took his daughter, I think her name was uh, Antonia, to uh, see um, his uh, Beast from Twenty Thousand Fathoms, and uh, on the way home, she she said that he was a bad man because he killed off the Redosaurus at the end of the movie. Oh. And, uh, you know, you know, like me, just, just traumatized by... Yeah. Yeah. You know, your, your favorite characters, like King Kong getting killed off at the end oh, of every yeah. movie. You know, until the 2016 elections, I was always pro-monster. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, shit changes. Pro-monster, hasn't it? There's another one right there. <laughs> so, uh, so, so along come the, uh, the King Brothers... Frank uh, Hyman and Maurice, who were actually gangsters, not figuratively gangsters. They were gangsters. They were actual gangsters. But they, were, they got into film distribution, which is a big leap. And um, <laughs> they distributed Rodan, as I say. And, and uh, you know, they, they wanted to make a giant monster movie. So, they, uh, so uh, you know, this, this happened. Wow. Um, so originally it was called uh, Kuru Island and it was going to be a Japanese co-production. And it was set on a pearl fishing island, and he wanted to make this like poetic movie where there's no military fighting as as per normal. Mm-hmm. It, it would just go, you know, the creature would come ashore, and uh, you know, they'd be rescue the child, and uh, you know, the humans would encounter it, but they would, you know, there's no explosions and stuff yeah. like that. And uh, so that's what he wanted People to do. People were like, "What the hell are you making a big monster movie for?" <laughs> um, and then the the deal with Japan fell through. So, so um, then they they thought about um, moving the story to Paris, and uh, they they drew up a list of all these um, like monuments that they could knock down. Yeah, and. Yeah. <laughs> um, then uh, Lurier pointed out that the sea monster would have to walk for quite a while to get to Paris. Yes. Uh, you know. I guess he could take a river. <laughs> <laughs> sure. 
Um, so then they considered Australia, but uh, I think one of the King brothers said, uh, who cares if a monster destroys Australia? Oh, really nice. Yeah. Wow. And uh, they had no, uh, <clears throat> like, they well-known buildings at the time. Yeah, no Sydney Opera House or anything. Right. They should have just gone to Budapest. They would have just been there, like, immediately. Yeah. <laughs> Um, so anyway, so he, he, he got, uh, ended up making this movie for, uh, $65,000. Wow. Did, did you adjust that for inflation yet? Um, I did not, uh, but apparently it was the same <clears throat> as the budget for the original King Kong. Oh. Hmm. Wow. Should we find out what that would translate to? Okay. Sure. What, so it was filmed in 50... 65,960-ish. Well, yeah, let's do that. So, uh, should we try Siri? Because that's so fun. Okay. Uh, how, how do we phrase that so it's not such a run-on sentence? Uh, Siri, adjusting for inflation, how much was blah, 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 blah. I mean, that seems long, a little long-winded for Siri, doesn't it? Uh, just say $65,000 in 1959 adjusted for... Inflation. That, there you go. <clears throat> 65000 Mm-hmm. Okay. $65,000 adjusted for inflation from 1960 to present. I found this on the web. Oh, so I have to look for it. Okay. Um, I'm not going to read it to you. Yeah, she's, yeah, she's, she's busy. Yeah. She's questions to answer. Yeah, they say they're always listening, right? Yeah, nonsense. They're not always listening or that answer would have been locked and loaded. Um, let's see. Sixty-five thousand dollars from nineteen fourteen. Why is that their default? What's the Amazon thing that you, that that gadget that you can have in your home and you can talk to? Oh, uh, yeah. What is that called? Uh, Alexa. Alexa. Yeah, yeah. Or the dot. So or the a spot couple of years ago, in in England at least, that they've been busted for you know listening to people's conversations and yeah. recording them, and and then they having having a good laugh about them in the office. Oh man! About half a million bucks to answer the question. Five hundred fifty-five thousand. Okay. And change. <clears throat> so there you go. It's about a half million dollar movie. So uh, yeah. So <laughs> this, this... the half a million dollar movie returns <laughs> <laughs> after these after these messages. <laughs> so a great you afternoon made this movie, show. and then the uh, the King brothers wanted to put in all this footage, military footage and stuff. That did yeah. look more explosions, more yeah. explosions. That looked like stock footage for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, do, it doesn't work. It, it no. mismatches. Yep. Uh, yeah. I was watching it last night thinking, wow, there's so many rough edges on this, mostly because of the work footage they stuck in. Yeah. Do you, do you remember the episode where we were talking to, where I was talking about the ricochets, the Wilhelm scream of ricochets. Oh, yeah. And then I finally found it and inserted it into the, uh, this was full of that ricochet noise. Okay. The pew, wheel, 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 It's like that. They used that one like five or six times in this oh, movie. Oh, man. I didn't even notice. You didn't? No. Oh, man. It's like. Oh. I had the volume real low, though. Oh, okay. I saw so many shots that just repeated. Yeah. yeah. And there's this terrible bit where they, uh, they from HQ, they say that they've got the uh, aircraft carrier, the Royal Oak, is on its way. And then you cut to a plane where they're talking about it being a Corvette. And then you cut to a footage of the actual ship, which starts off as a frigate and yes. then becomes a destroyer <laughs> and then becomes a U.S. aircraft carrier. 
with a bunch of voiced over guys giving yeah yeah you know. a bunch of americans from world war ii yelling yeah. at each other and they all look like they've been out at sea for weeks and weeks but the, you know they could only have come just from like portsmouth or somewhere for right. yeah you know in the last hour and everything they're saying to each other you know whether it's on a a PA system or or just to the person next to them is all voiced over. Yeah. Very obviously so. <laughs> but, switches uh, from day to night. Right. <laughs> Those are always fun. Uh, so, so Eugene Laurier says, uh, you know, the, the movie he'd made, if, if he edited it to his, you know, to, to the stuff he, that he intended, it would be about 35 minutes long. Ooh. Hmm. Ouch. So that... Is there is there like a bracket for the Barnes limit, or I mean, does it have to be more than forty minutes, or? Just, oh. or is it, or just, I mean, it's, I'd say it has to be more than an hour. Okay, so the sweet spot is sixty to ninety minutes. Yeah. Okay, just checking. I'd say probably seventy minutes would be the shortest. Yeah. Okay. Honestly, and still get an actual feels like a movie. Yeah. Okay. Because less than that, yeah, you know, you don't feel like you watched a movie. Yeah, you end up stuffing it with commercials, and nobody yeah. wants that. Yeah, because I'm not buying it, whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, let's say 70 minutes to okay. 90. Okay. <laughs> so, all right, Julian, go right, on. Jump right. back down. Yeah. I, I wanted to hear your, your opinions of it. And... It was, you know what, as far as um, special effects go, the Wikipedia page describes that... Uh, Gorgo's special effects were achieved by suitmation and miniaturization, and I've never heard guy in a rubber suit called suitmation. Uh, that, suitmation? That's that the usual term. Is it? Amongst uh, monster movie lovers, yeah, suitmation. Oh, okay. Suitmation. Suitmation. Yeah. That's weird. This, I... this suit was like, uh, they, they stuffed so many hydraulics in it to, to get all the moving parts. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was, it was colossally heavy. Yeah. yeah. So they had like four different stuntmen who take turns moving around. Yeah, and, and it's just so exhausting. So they were just trudging around with all this weight on their shoulders. Yeah. Just I mean, so the ears could flap. <laughs> well, it's got like moving mouth and ears and eyes and yeah, uh, yeah, it's super heavy. And I, I imagine when it's wading through water. Yeah. Uh, what wow. they had to do is like one of the suits they'd have to cut off the bomb. Yeah. So uh, usually just be like the guy's legs under the water. <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Have you ever seen a movie where they accidentally caught something like with a camera angle or something that they didn't intend? I mean, other than the obvious boom mic where you yeah, actually yeah. see the zipper on the suit, so to speak. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think of a good example of that. Oh, uh, Oh, Lost Boys, there's the retractable stake. When they're climbing up the stake, the vampires that are hanging up sleeping. Uh-huh. And the retractable stake falls in on itself. Oh, I never... I've one, never one of the Frog that. Brothers is carrying it. There's a good example of that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, this one, uh, though, you, it's a good-looking rubber monster suit. Yep. Yeah. It's a handsome monster. Yeah. So, uh... If you ever, obviously, some people think it's hilarious and not great because Mystery Science Theater three thousand sent this one up. Did, Did you know they? that? Yeah, I forgot they had done that one. Yeah, I have never seen them do it, but you know, and some sometimes they're making fun of just what's yeah of I, the era. I, I, I worried what you'd think of it because I just noticed so many bad things in it. Well, sure. Last night, um, 
because <laughs> I've got it on Blu-ray now, and you know, it's Ooh, clearer yeah. than I mean, like the original when it came out on video and DVD. It was so dark. Yes. And but like so many, so much of the rough stuff is is apparent now. Mm. Um, like the the blue screen process is just oh uh, yeah, especially when it's uh, when they're matting in stuff like netting and things like you know fine objects. It's right. Just, it's yeah. horrible. Yeah, I did notice the blue screen was was fairly obvious, and I always give that a pass because that's the state of the art at the time. Yeah, I mean, but ha- uh, I think at around this time, Hammer had the uh, yellow sodium process, which is much. It's more diffuse, and the colors are better for uh, matting in. Oh, okay. I think because blue is so common a color, right? That when you're when you do the composite shot, it just so much stuff becomes transparent. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but yellow sodium is much more forgiving. It's yeah. a softer edge, and the Japanese had the uh, the the better process of of doing composites. They're much cleaner. Right. Yeah, I would I would say. Um, for anyone who's a, a big film nerd and, you know, picks something like this apart, but then praises everything Alfred Hitchcock did, you know, you just look at some of the stuff that, you know, is present in Hitchcock movies that was, again, state of the art at the time. Mm-hmm. And when someone's driving in a car in The Birds or The Birds themselves in The Birds, yeah. that doesn't look great. Uh, it looks of its of its time. And Technicolor is, the saturation is gorgeous, but... The birds don't look real, and none of the bee movies, movies with bees in them, I should say, (laughs) none of the bee movies, um, none of the movies with bees, even through the 70s and maybe 80s, ever really looked like there were bees. Mm -hmm. It just looked like someone took some bees and superimposed them over some other footage of a person with raisins glued to them screaming. Coffee grounds in water. Yeah. That was another technique. Oh, Mm. that's a great idea. (laughs) I'm going to use that. I'm iPhone. So um, yeah, the effects on this were uh, is Tom Howard. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's miniatures, there's blue screen, there's sudimation, sudimation with hydraulics. There's uh, uh, what they what they, uh, <clears throat> I think they called it automotion, which is a split screen with traveling mats. Oh, okay. So you could composite and and move the camera yeah. through a shot. So so you have those scenes where. Uh, Mama is wading through the buildings and crowds yeah. are going and and you, you can like move the shot around. The ship models must have been huge. Yeah. Because you could see that's the always the dead giveaway is the size of the drops when they splash water mm. over them to represent waves. And the drops look small enough to where that must have been a big Well, yeah. I mean, I mean with Britain you're talking about a nation of uh, model train builders. So oh, yeah. uh, miniatures are always good in Britain. Oh yeah. Like, so we had Derek Meddings and stuff like that. I mean, lots of people who worked in this, like uh, uh, in front of and behind the camera. You're you're seeing Hammer movies and James Bond movies and stuff. Yeah, great. Um, like the uh, the director of photography was uh, Freddie Young, who, who worked with David Lean on Lawrence of Arabia and Doctor oh, okay. Zhivago and stuff. Oh like that. wow. Um, uh, William Sylvester, who plays Sam Slade in the movie. Uh-huh. So you'll see him in 2001. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And Bill Travers you, is in Born Free. So and there's, there's lots of recognizable faces in this. Sure. Um, but yeah, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, Gorgo never went on to be in anything else, did he? No, there's, there's like this uh, short film that came out a few years ago called Waiting for Gorgo. 
Is that like a waiting for Guffman pun? Or? Waiting, waiting for, for Godot. Godot. Yeah. yeah. Oh, um, okay. Yeah. Um, which is quite amusing. But. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Gorgo's never appeared in he, another movie. He never shows up in that one either, does he? <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> yeah. So, so uh, your, first, your first viewing of this, you were probably five or six years old? Uh, a little older than that, I think. Yeah. yeah. So have you seen it probably every couple of years through your life, or did yeah. you go a while where yeah. you didn't? Every few years, yeah. Oh, man, that's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I made it this far, and I don't know for sure. Was this I... your first giant monster movie? Uh, King Kong was King Kong. the first one. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that was the hook, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Same here. Yeah, that. Um, I know we saw the creature feature movies, but... Uh, Maybe even before any of the Universal Monsters, I know King Kong was there. Yeah. And man, what not to love about a giant gorilla destroying a city. Right. Well, you know, but of course he gets killed at the end. Yeah. He's, he's vulnerable. That's, that's, that's what's so great about Gorgo. It's like the mama's invulnerable. Yeah. And they're like, well, I guess we'll just see if she leaves. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. She, they just throw everything at her. You get like, it's like the Navy, then the Army, then the Air Force, and just everything's useless. Now, maybe not all of our listeners know this, but the um, Big Ben is the name of the the bell. The actual bell, yeah. But not the clock or the tower. Everyone calls it that. Yeah. yeah. The tower's named Large Larry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so that gets destroyed. Uh, what else gets destroyed? Do you notice like, uh, that they've got these missiles set up in Parliament Square? <laughs> to shoot Mama, and and uh, the, so the the tower gets hit by missiles before she gets to it. Oh, that's great! <laughs> yeah. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah like you see these missiles go right through the clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They had terrible aim back in the late fifties, early sixties. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah, that guy missed on purpose. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I wonder how that would go down if that was hit. I'm taking out Large Larry. <laughs> that's right. Take him out at the knees. <laughs> Imagine if she just like walked straight past the tower without. Touching it, he'd be so embarrassed. Oh man, yes, he would. He'd be in so much trouble. Oops. <laughs> now, if you were to destroy a city, what city would you destroy, guys? Any choices? Ooh, man. <laughs> this can get you put in jail, you know. Yeah, yeah. That, well, that's true. <clears throat> Let's phrase it a different way. If you were a large monster going to go step on buildings and kick them over, okay, and nothing else, um, what city would you do that in? Man. I mean, what city needs... Well, how about you? What, well, I, I'm thinking about what city needs knocked down and rebuilt more than anything. You know, there was a time when I maybe would have said Spokane, Washington, but I think they've, they've really been working on they've, the city. And, they've cleaned themselves <clears> up. <throat> yeah, they've, they've dusted themselves off. Everything seems all right. Mm. Denver's <clears throat> already being torn down and rebuilt. Oh, yeah. yeah. There's cranes everywhere all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, Detroit? You know, maybe they can get some government funding to... Rebuild. Yeah, yeah, good, you know, good. That, that might help. Mm-hmm. There's there's not a lot of landmarks that people just off the top of their heads can think of. And everyone will get out in time because, you know, unless it was a flying monster, you'd have a fair warning. Yeah. Yeah. It seems like, you know. You know, people wouldn't listen. No. <laughs> They'd be sitting around like, I'm not leaving for any monster. Yeah, no. <laughs> got my guns. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, let's see. Maybe cities that have won too many. Uh, Championships, they could be taken down a notch. Yeah, 
And it's like, oh. St. Paul, but not Minneapolis. Yeah. So it won't be the Twin Cities anymore. It'll be the Twin City. So it'll be the, the Arch. St. Yeah. Louis. St. Louis. Yeah. St. Yeah. Louis. What, what else have they got there? Nothing. Some big things to knock down. Well, the Arch would be cool, though. Go to St. Louis, knock that, well, swing from it first. Maybe, yeah. Maybe pull it over. Yeah. I yeah. think so. If you were a flying monster, you could f- just fly through it like an old barnstorming film. <laughs> you know, like those old biplanes used to go blasting through the barns. Yeah. Who, I mean, honestly, you got to be crazy. I mean, flying a biplane, you had to be about nuts to start with. But you're going to go blasting through an open barn? Ooh. Lordy. A terrible idea. Lordy, yes. <laughs> uh, In the parlance of their times. <laughs> not a city but a state florida i think florida would be. yeah just break it off kick it in the ocean yeah <laughs> just gotta keep stomping we it. lost all our florida listeners yeah. yeah there's no more gulf of mexico it's mm. like they're gonna have to argue over whether it's the atlantic or the gulf now yeah no the whole atlantic just became the gulf Ooh. no <laughs> i think that the atlantic gets to win that one yeah yeah i think florida florida all right okay. florida then yeah, my mom lives there, but she's not there right now. Okay. So this would be the time. All right. Yeah. So, um, is there anything about this we didn't cover? Because uh, the ending is is very different. That's yeah. true. Yeah, I, I love the ending. Um, King Kong should have ended this way. It's always very moving. Um, what, King Kong's mom shows up? <laughs> yeah. I, I like the soundtrack. Takes him off. Uh, soundtrack, they got... Uh, Angelo Francesco Lavigno also did uh, Chimes of Midnight. Don't know that one. Uh, uh, it's the uh, Orson Welles movie about Falstaff. Oh, okay. Orson Welles, the real monster. Uh, Colossus of Rhodes, which <clears throat> is also not Orson Welles. That's <laughs> uh, a Sergio Leone peplum uh. film. But yeah, he's done tons. We we do need to revisit Orson Welles, man. That whatever episode that was where where you were talking about that book you were reading, holy crap, it's just insane. Yeah, I'm <clears> waiting <throat> for the next volume of that. Oh, it's coming out in volumes. Yeah, I've only read the first three. He was just such a horrific monster that he needed. No, several. it's not. He was he was He's, so many things. He was a genius. Yeah, I want to throw that out there. I don't I hate on Orson Welles because the man was a genius. Yeah, yeah, the uh, Simon Callow biographies have only gotten up to, uh, you're not even up to Touch of Evil yet. Um, Yeah, so, still in the 50s, I think. Holy wow, there's a lot to go. Yeah, I started reading them to find out what happened after the (laughs) big movies, but, uh, you know, not even got there yet. Oh, that's great. Yeah, Orson Welles, I mean, you're right. He was a lot of things. And Genius was one of them, and Monster was another. <laughs> the Monster Genius. <laughs> Eating entire chickens. <laughs> Live. <laughs> Performing all the roles of the play. Live. <laughs> there was also a, a, the novelization of Gorgo got out before the movie because of the delay in oh, distribution. Okay. So the novel came out in 1960. And uh, there's like, um, there was a, uh, you notice in the movie, one of the things that's different from the average giant monster thing is there's no romantic subplot. Oh, that's true, isn't it? There's no scientist's daughter with a male name. 
turns yeah, up. Right. Uh, but in the novel, there's this <clears throat> character named Moira who uh, gets on with the Sam Slade character. Oh, okay. And uh, and she wants to get off the island, and she'll do anything to get off. And uh, but she literally, she, yeah. She she tells him about um, you know the if they capture Gorgo, it's like you know now you've caught the devil. What you're going to do with it? Ooh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I thought a, a a plucky female reporter was needed for this. Right. Yeah, yeah. You get that that unnecessary reporter at the end. You kind of floats around. Oh on yes, top he of, does. Of all the scenes. Yeah, you're like, where he's all over the city. He moves yeah. fast. <laughs> yeah, I mean, transport was great, even though it's being destroyed yeah. around his ears. Oh, that's great. Yeah, plucky female reporters. You know, <clears throat> she could have been there to investigate from the beginning and follow along. But instead, you got Sean. Yeah. A kid who <clears throat> nobody seems to really notice he's missing for a large chunk of the movie. Yeah. He just, like, stows away on the boat. And then they... I assume the harbor master was his dad. Doesn't seem to care. Yeah, I don't think he is. He's he's adopted. I think you can okay. get more background on the characters in the novel. Like yeah, the the, the, uh, the main guys are like uh, Korean War veterans. Oh, okay. And uh, uh, yeah, he and then Moira is his half sister, and you get Gorgo uh, actually directly kills people on a couple of occasions. Oh, okay, because they you know they've been cruel or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah, Gorgo's got long differences. internal monologues that go on for pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, yeah, the thing in this movie is like uh, most uh, giant monster movies, it's kind of an impersonal death. So you 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 know you guess the population is being stepped on at yeah. various points, but you don't see them directly. But in this movie, you get stupid people get in the way, and you see them like get torched or yeah stomped yeah crushed by debris and stuff like the all the the, the panicking crowd stuff is pretty effective at the end of the it really was yeah they had a they had a lot of extras in this right and they did pretty well even though they had to superimpose the bricks and stuff falling on them but yeah i like the the the, the repent is not repent yes night guy <laughs> 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 yep Yes, you got that right. Yes, your your doom is imminent. So, yeah. Um, do you feel like we covered it pretty well? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love this movie. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty good. I enjoyed it. I think that, uh, um, again, recognizing the era that it's from is important for anybody who's watching it, because it's easy to just make fun of things because oh, well, stuff didn't look as good then. Well, you know what? CG looks like shit most of the time. So, uh, <laughs> what else you got? You know, just watch some old movies. This one's in color. There, you don't even have to be a big baby about it being in black and white. So, uh, you know, there's that. That surprised me. That it wasn't in black and white. That it was in color. Yeah. Yeah. That's. It was. I one... know. I've watched this before. I mean, I remembered it, but I it, didn't remember it being in color. Yeah, that was probably right on the edge of that. Mm. You know, where they would still decide for budget reasons to make a black and white movie right and and you've also got the uh you can get the book of the steve ditko gorgo comics which they did so what in the 60s yeah so, so um just before he did spider-man yeah how long was ditko in comics 
Uh, till he uh, died. Well, till, yeah. yeah, like Severin. <laughs> from from the fifties onwards. Yeah. yeah. So he's doing lots of ghost stories and fantasy stories in the fifties. Yeah. And then, uh, and then monster and then comics. The, yeah, for, very monsters for Marvel and then Spider Man mm-hmm. and then was, Mr. He... A and all that yeah. nutty stuff that followed. <laughs> what was always amazing, like with his Spider Man stuff, was that he could create so much depth in a tiny panel. Mm-hmm. Like he would give you a good illusion of space. Yeah. I always like that about his work. But uh, expressions too, of course. They're always good expressions. Of course, you probably didn't stay in the game very long back then if you weren't good with your expressions on your characters. Probably not. Yeah, and not just the faces, it was the hands as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That would say a lot too. A lot of gestures. So um, any, anything else about it before we wrap it? No. No, I don't think so. So I don't know when Ziggy's going to be available. So I would say let's do Scream next time and see how that goes. Um, but uh, I think I think school is over for them like next week. Okay. And if she can join us for Scream, cool, we'll do that. If not, we'll come up with something else. Okay. Um, and we won't subject her to those next three Jason movies until after we've done Scream and maybe Scream 2 and 3. Mm. Are there even three Jasons left? Uh, where'd we leave off? We left off with Spacen. Spacen, Jason, Jason 10, Jason X. Yeah. Right. Um, so Freddy versus Jason and the remake, that's it. Is that it? Yeah. Huh. Well, all right. So. Yeah. Well, that we could just. And we covered everything that needs to be said about Freddy versus Jason tonight. <laughs> I guess we kind of did. Uh, we, we, we just, that's the joy of it because we. Because then we leave it to her to say. Yeah, true, let's true. get her take on this thing because yeah. you know the, the young woman is sixteen and and has fresh eyes for this stuff like we don't anymore. And of course, I've pointed this out previously. I was her age when I saw my first Jason movie, and uh, and times are different, and a lot of time has gone by. So yeah, let's let's get her opinions and her views. And uh, wasn't even a movie then; it was a stage play. Yeah, back then we we brought our own candles and uh, you know we made everything out of paper mache. Yeah, uh, came in on a wagon, candles, paper mache. That's yeah. good. <clears throat> well, should we call it a show, you guys? Let's okay. call it. All right, hey listeners, thank you for listening. Stay off the Morris. <laughs>